The Weezer Bracket is brought to you by Jurassic World, The Lost Kingdom. The Fallen Kingdom. Fuck. Just Fallen Kingdom, yeah. Oh, not even a the. No, just Fallen Kingdom. The Weezer Bracket is brought to you by Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. And Blue the Raptor, our best friend. A.K.A. the furthering adventures of Blue the Raptor, everyone's favorite dinosaur they definitely remember from the first one. I just remember all those iconic Blue the Raptor scenes from Jurassic World. Yeah. They were my favorite part of the movie. I watched super cuts of Blue the Raptor, Raptor basically every day. Uh, Blue the Raptor changed my life. Blue the Raptor is definitely my top 10 characters in a movie of all time. Think about her personality and all the things she does. Charles Foster Kane, <laughs> Daniel Plainview, Aaron Brockovich, yeah. and Blue the Raptor. I mean, that's my top four, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're big Brockovich fans. So. Huge Brockovich fans. All right, let's start the show. Okay. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning back into the Weezer Bracket. I am Nick Robinson. And I'm Andrew Woods. And hey, uh, before we do anything, we are now available on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. So uh, if you are hearing this in any other sort of way, you can get these episodes more conveniently. Or you can still do whatever you're doing. We won't pass judgment. Uh, But please subscribe. Yeah, and do all the other... God damn it, we have to fucking do this now. Please give us a thumbs up or five stars or what the fuck ever. God damn it. We're playing the corporate game now. This is not what we wanted. What did you think we were going to do? I don't... Well, like most of these things, it really wasn't that well thought out. So please subscribe. Please. And uh, like us or and rate us five stars. And leave a comment and make it entertaining for us to read. Please don't bore us. Yeah, that's that's you should be your main objective. <laughs> so, um, before we get started with the matchups this week, can we uh, talk about uh, our, the wedding we went to on Friday? I think we have to. So, our friend Joe John married uh, his now wife Vanessa, and I think the wedding almost Weezer themed. It basically was. Uh, it was like they knew we were going to come after we RSVP. Well, Joe we John, would. Joe John does love Weezer more than most. He does. He uh, he quoted uh, Rivers in his vows. He used uh, a song by Weezer to propose to Vanessa. And their first dance was to uh, Rivers Cuomo, I Was Made For You, from the first alone. So it wasn't even, uh, it wasn't even a Weezer song. It was, a, it was a song that would not have qualified for the bracket. No. I, and it's a pretty good pro- song. They're so protecting I, themselves yeah. that way. They're like, we can't have our first song be <laughs> victim it, of the bracket. It was a lot of fun. And congrats to uh, Joe, John, and Vanessa, if you're listening to this. And we met Hurley. Oh, yes. That's, that was the other big thing. Jorge Garcia was there from Lost. And the, but more importantly, the cover of Hurley. So we took a uh, picture and we put it on our Twitter and you can go and enjoy it, look at it. Yep. We look great and not drunk at all. (laughs) Congratulations, Joe and Vanessa. Congrats. So you ready to uh, get into it? Let's do it. Okay. uh, This week's first matchup is Tripping Down the Freeway. From Ratitude. Together from 
rolling down the freeway. And it is going up against Lonely Girl. Off of Everything Will Be All Right in the End. Okay, so tripping down the freeway. <laughs> oh my god, this song is kind of gross. Yeah, his sentiments on it are not the f- what they usually are. Like the first lyric is, "I told you that you had put on some weight." <laughs> like, come on. You know, I'm not exactly a relationship expert by any means. Uh, I'm going to say this is almost universally a bad move. Yep. Unless she's like a bodybuilder. <laughs> <laughs> This relationship seems toxic. Can I say that? Yeah, but I think that's a, a lot of the point of it. This is clearly him singing about a toxic relationship, one he may or may not have had. I think he's trying to do a sort of hey sort of thing, yeah. where he's trying to make a poppy, upbeat song that's about a bad situation. Problem is, you're trying to follow up Hey Ya, which is perhaps one of the most perfect pop songs We're tripping ever down written. the freeway. <laughs> with, with this song. Listening to this time, I think he's really trying to ape Green Day. Yeah, I can hear that. It's a lot of the riffs sound Green Day. The, yeah. uh, the talk box in the middle, the weird distortion thing at the beginning, which feels so out of place on a Weezer record that I just don't know what to do with. He's trying a lot, and it's none of it is working. I actually have a quote from Rivers on this song. Oh, good. So he says, tripping down the freeway. I wrote that right after I wrote Pork and Beans. It just sounds like a classic Weezer song. Actually, it may sound similar to Pork and Beans, because it was written right at the same time. I don't know. I don't think it sounds like Pork and Beans I hear that nothing, much. nothing similar to Pork and Beans at all. I'm not like a huge Pork and Beans fan, but... Right, no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> but I find Pork and Beans to be significantly better than this song. That song has like a hook I remember. Like I, <laughs> like I could like probably hum that song right now. Yeah, that, that, that's easy. I could do that. Tripping down the freeway? Nope. I can do it just because I had to listen to it so many fucking times for this yeah. project. This is one of the songs that I look at it. And I pegged it early to go far. And I'm looking at it. I'm just like, fuck, I'm going to have to listen to this several more times. Yeah. Just so I can do this thing. Can we talk about some some more of the, the lyrics, though? Because they really blow my mind. Oh, of course. I think the uh, the one that really uh, blows my mind is, you've got the Shuri Ap- Appleby look. I mean, he called Shuri Appleby's career taking off like yeah. nobody else. Yeah, I mean, like, she'd been around for a while, but Unreal hasn't happened yet. Though. No, none of her big roles have ha- had happened at this well, point. What were the things she had been in that he might have seen her in? So this came out 09. Correct. Let's look her up. It uh, actually says 08, 09 in the song. I believe that's... Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, it could have... Con- you can say 08 and 09 released it in 12. But, uh, yeah, but he was uh, he was being current. All right, let's pull up Sherry Appleby's IMDb here. There's 81 credits, but we're going to limit it to before... She has been prolific. Yeah. Uh, we're going to limit it to before 08, 09. We'll limit it around there when the song was written slash came out. Okay. She was in... 
Blood Vows, the story of a mafia wife. Oh, yeah, it's a favorite of Rivers. Yeah, she was on an episode of 30 something in 1987. She's got, she had to be like four years old back then. I'm sure. So I'm not going to. I doubt that's what really captured <laughs> Rivers. I hope it's not. <laughs> in 89, she was in Curse 2, The Bite. No. Um, let's see. What else? Let's see. An episode of Doogie Howser in 93. Oh, hell yeah. An episode of Baywatch in 97. Mm. Two episodes of Xenia Warrior Princess, which I can totally see Rivers being into. Do you think he watched Xena and Hercules? I mean, I think you had to. Like, there is so much crossover yeah. between those two series. Um, I think mostly budgetary reasons. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, she's in the Bon Jovi It's My Life music video. I think she's in like the beginning and the end of it. Uh, she's not in a lot of it, but Rivers has definitely seen that video. Yeah, everyone's seen that music video. She is in Swim Fan. Well, th- th- come on. It's Swim Fan. He's definitely seen Hold on. Swim there's Fan. a few options. The Battle of Shaker Heights, the first Project Greenlight movie starring Shia LaBeouf. Was she, do you think Sherry Appleby was actually in Project Greenlight? Do you think she was featured on the show? Because uh, I kind of remember watching that. I do too. Yeah. They really hyped up Shia and Amy Smart. Yeah, is it, uh, Shia and Amy Smart were the two I remember being the big ones. I'm sure she's tangential. Well, it doesn't say that yeah. she's in it here, so maybe, maybe, maybe not. She was in a TV movie called Pizza My Heart. What was that on? I don't know. She was on, oh, she's in Charlie Wilson's War. As Jailbait Dash Charlie's Angels. I don't know what that is. No. I have no clue. And then, oh, she was on a run of 10 episodes of ER. Yeah, that's possible. Possible. It's like late period ER. That is definitely late period. That is 2009. So that's 14, 15 years after. Like Clooney had left. (laughs) Uh, I didn't even know it went on until 2009. Oh, she was she shut it down, basically. It's like her and John Stamos. <laughs> All right, so that's about it. So what? What's your pick? Swim fan. Swim fan. Okay. I think he identifies with swim fan. I can see this argument. I I can see him. I think he's like Jesse Bradford and like Eric Christensen is fandom, and it's like you know he might sleep with them in the pool one that day. They have sex in the pool, right? Right. Yeah. He's got like his like he's got his like home life, you know. That's who that would be Sherry Appleby, you know, kind of the love of his life, and it's this fandom is just ripping his life apart. I mean, the idea of the love of his life at home that yeah. kind of really jives with the song. Yeah, I'm, okay. I think I I think we're gonna buy this theory. So, swim fan, huge influence on Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> you can quote me on that. <laughs> yeah, a big scoop from the Weezer bracket. Okay, can we talk about Lonely Girl then? Do we have to? We have to. You know what I think about the problem with Lonely Girl is? I actually like Everything Will Be All Right in the end. I do too. I think it's a pretty decent album. This is like the one song that sounds like he really is trying to recapture. Like It, it seems almost like just like the most mundane Weezer song. You know what I'm saying? This sounds like a low effort Weezer song too. It sounds like him trying to write a green album song again, which is a weird thing to go back to. 
Yeah, but after his run of albums right before Everything Will Be Alright, I can see being nostalgic for that. I can see trying to recapture that magic. And it's just like it's like a Green's album song and the fact that it lacks any personality and any like personal like sentiment. Okay, I don't think he was trying for that. Yeah. <laughs> but it just it seems like him in the same headspace, you know? Who uh, did he co write this song with someone? Yeah, so this was co written with Josh Alexander who on his own doesn't have that many songwriting credits. The big thing about him is that he's the protege of Billy Steinberg. Billy Steinberg did a number of songs you definitely know, Like a Virgin, True Colors, So Emotional, Give Your Heart a Break by Demi Lovato recently. Nice. Yeah, so like this guy... I was actually looking up Josh Alexander, though, and I didn't notice uh, some of the people he's written songs for. Uh, He wrote some songs for Tattoo. (laughs) <laughs> okay like late period tattoo like a yeah. 2009 tattoo song everyone likes to think that tattoo was just like a nine month period i think they're, i think they remained huge in russia that makes sense yeah. but they also kept churning out english language records. actually i looked this up because they broke up in like 2009 2010 but they reunited and they actually performed for the opening ceremony of the uh, 2014 winter olympics what? in in, in russia I did not hear about that, but, you know, uh, do, do you think you were really paying attention to it that much at the time? No, 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 no. He also wrote a song for Paris Hilton. I mean, <laughs> if, I mean, why would you pass up that opportunity? I think that's probably the one that Rivers heard. And he's like, I need you. I need you for Lonely Girl. <laughs> but this song, it's just so, like, mundane. The riff never changes. No. It's just, it's almost like he just put it a loop in logic and it's just like, here we go. Here's our song. It's like two and a half minutes long and it feels like it's really struggling to get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you look up the lyrics, they are really short. And you're just like, wait, how is this a song? It doesn't strike me at all musically like anything from Green. No. This feels like this kind of like mid to late 90s era of pop music that was trying to be derivative of grunge music. Yeah. Because the guitars are have that grunge sound and he's kind of doing these kind of like almost like Bush-like melodies yeah. with it. I mean, that's what Weezer always... I wouldn't use derivative, but that was always kind of what Weezer was. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, because like he was more drawing more back to Beach Boys, stuff like that. But I he, think he was always trying to be a cleaner version of pop like music he, than, than anything grunge. But you could, oh, I feel like he was influenced by the Pixies the way that the grunge scene was influenced by the Pixies. You know what I'm saying? I believe that, but I believe A Fork in the Road, they each took different paths. That's true. And that he, even more than grunge, was inspired by heavy metal, hair metal, that sort of Oh, that's character. definitely true. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. 100% true. I mean, he has... He, like, I mean, he loved and adored that music, while I think everyone in the grunge scene hated it. And, like, you know, they were, it, it was almost a refutation, refutation of that scene. Yeah. And then in 2013, he wrote Lonely Girl. <laughs> uh, a little bit behind the times. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't really have anything to say. We listened to it again, and I was like, let me try to write something, anything about this song, as I wrote, like, three things. I had nothing. I got he, was, yeah, yeah, he's using a vocal doubler throughout, which is weird because he doesn't usually do that. You know, they usually would harmonize themselves, but he's singing completely through a vocal doubler, yeah. which is usually something that somebody who doesn't have such a great voice does. We know the Rivers Cuomo voice. I, yeah. I like his voice. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just almost just... It's Rivers Cuomo's voice at this point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's just like, it's almost just another instru- instrument in the band that you, you're so used to. And I just, I don't 
see a purpose why he would try to change it up when he's not necessarily about trying these like changes. Like we've never heard like Rivers try an auto tune record. No, I actually I'm kind of shocked we have it. Black supposedly coming soon, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I think there's gonna be some weird ass shit on the Black album. Let's hope. Well, yeah, I know there's gonna be cursing. <laughs> he's talked about how there, how there might be cursing. We'll see about that. Yeah. All right. Enough of these two. You want to vote? Yeah. You know. I really, really don't like Lonely Girl. I think Fair. it's a really bad song, as we just discussed. But I do not think it's as bad as Trippin' Down the Freeway. I think Trippin' Down the Freeway, if if you're in Vegas, put some money on that. That might win this whole thing. Yeah. I think that is a terrible song. I'm not looking forward to listening to it again in the next round. But we have to because it's going to progress. Yeah, it moves on. Tripping down the freeway. Congrats. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. So, the next matchup on the Weezer bracket is Happy Hour. Off of Pacific Daydream. An endless bummer off of Weezer, the White Album. Well, there we go. Happy hour and endless bummer. A late Weezer matchup. Yeah, they're uh, both up from the last two years. So I think it's time that we say it. What? The White Album is good. White Album's really good. It's really good. White Album is like, I think the White Album might be my third favorite or fourth favorite album. It's up there with um, Maladroit. Though I do also like Everything Will Be All Right in the End. Those three are pretty neck and neck when it comes to like my next favorite after Blue and Pinkerton. I have to put White above all of them. Yeah. We are doing the song Endless Bummer because we struggled to find a second bad song off of the White Yeah, album. I picked Endless Bummer because the only one we could can, we really could agree was really bad was... Um, Thank God for Girls. Thank God for Girls. We'll, yeah. talk, we'll get into that one that, later. No spoilers. I have a real hard time even calling this song bad in any sort of way. It's pretty decent. It's it's pleasant to the ears. The song is co-written with Brian Bell and Luther Russell, who is the producer of Brian's side project, The Relationship. Yeah. Hard to say, but it sounds like an old Weezer song, just a little more modern. Yeah. Don't get a lot of Brian Bell influence. No, I don't get that. This sounds like this sounds like a pure river song. Yeah. It has like the whole Oh, girls have been stepping over me. My life is garbage sentiment. It has that old throwback feel. I mean, this sounds like just a little bit longer by Maurice Williams. Yeah. 
Uh, I think anybody who listens to it gets tipped off to that right off. The title is obviously an allusion to the Beach Boys, the album uh, Endless Summer. It's kind of a good song. Yeah. Which is not something you hear us say a lot on this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just don't like it as much as some of the other song, songs. Yeah, that's about that's about all yeah. I can it. And this is where our rule kind of like... Comes back to bite us in the ass. Does it, though? Because no. we got to listen to this over something like... This. Yeah. And it's kind of put all the truly off. You know, we actually really like Weezer, so it's nice to actually say nice things. Say nice things about them. Yeah, it doesn't happen a lot on this podcast. Uh, Yeah, we should try to do that every once in a while, just to remind people (laughs) that we love Weezer. Uh, So, because I I don't have very many nice things to say about Happy Hour. That's fair, but let me just say that a lot of people try to stay away from late period Weezer, yeah. and I think if you're going to try to do it, the White Album is a fantastic way to look at it. I think with the White Album and everything will be all right in the end. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the White Album, though, oddly is pushing the whole we're California band aesthetic that I never picked up in the you know first 15 years of the band. <laughs> he actually like set out to do that. Like His whole idea was, I want to make a California album. Right, but it, he's trying to say, you know, that we've always been a California yeah. band, which is just you, fair. You you guys met near the 405 and the, the 10 meet, but not, you know, you've never given off California vibes. No. So let, let, let me just add one thing about Happy Hour before we get into it. Okay. Happy Hour played the uh, wedding reception. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually I texted you about it because I was in the line getting a drink, and I, I sent you a text that was just three exclamation marks. Yeah, I, and I just didn't. I thought you were just excited about getting alcohol. I mean, yes. <laughs> but I, I, just, like, I just wanted you to notice that Happy Hour was playing. Yeah, and this was after... We were informed uh, at the beginning of the wedding that the bride was not happy about our keep fishing votes. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. This is the podcast. We make the rules. Happy Hour is co-written by O. Hush, who wrote songs for Jason Derulo, Cobra Starship, and Zendaya. And with Sean Bow, who the only song I could find him having a writing credit on is the song from the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie called Shell Shocked, which has Wiz Khalifa, Ty Dolla Sign, and Juicy J. The first new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I can't movie. fucking tell them apart. Second one's okay. I, I enjoyed it. I'm just tired of just getting rehashed my childhood, man. It's just like, I, I, you know what? I'm an adult now. I'm moving on. DeAndre Jordan's in it. I'm holding, look, I'm holding on to a few things from my childhood. Weezer is apparently one of them. <laughs> and, you know, I guess maybe you can make the argument that White is a Weezer reboot. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still the same dudes. Minus one. <laughs> Scott Schreiner's been in the band now for like, he's been there for 15 years. 15 years way longer than matt sharp was ever in the band and matt sharp was in the band for like what three years maybe at the most at most yeah the shell shock song is pretty bad but kind of in an enjoyable way where it's you know you have you have juicy j making anything delightful so happy hour rivers tried a new songwriting method with this one free association free association free association is fine uh, but as long as you use a strong editing method. Yeah. I don't feel that he did on this one. I actually got, I have a couple of quotes for him. Oh, boy. I'm walking around town and I'm seeing all these signs. Happy hour, come in and join the party. 
have fun and just wishing I could be part of this. It's not so much about drinking. It's about the companionship and the society and feeling like I don't have that and I'm never going to fit in. What is stopping him from going and having a beer? Well, I was actually thinking about this because it is so weird because what's one of the most popular uh, Weezer songs? Say it ain't so. Yeah. Which is clearly about his father and his stepfather's alcoholism and his own, like, you know, fear of alcohol and kind of taking over your life. But, I mean, we've been over this. Like, he would use tequila as a songwriting method. Yeah, I think he definitely started partaking in alcohol, but I don't think he's ever had problems. He's never, yeah, he's never been like a a host of other rock stars. No. But, you know, it's happy hour. He just wants to go in and meet people. I think if he ever saw the popular television show Cheers, which I can't believe I'm bringing up and you're not, uh, he would see that. You go in for happy hour, you meet a sad mailman and some depressed people, and it's great. This is, this song has a couple really weird lyrics. <laughs> it sounds all, almost all. I mean, the, the Monty Python reference. You feel like he would have made one years ago. Yeah, you feel like it would be in, like, in the garage or something. Exactly. Actually, I found a quote about that one, too. I never intend to be ironic. I knew the chorus was going to be, I need ha- a happy hour. So the verse has to describe this really downsetting. In this case, I was writing stream of consciousness or, or free association, where the first image that comes into your head, that's what you have to write. So what is the ultimate buzzkill? And the first thing I thought of was the 20-ton weight falling on somebody and crushing them in Monty Python. And that seemed perfectly reasonable to me. (laughs) And of course, when any other human hears it, they're like, you can't sing about Monty Python in a pop rock song. He must be ironic. I mean, when I think of buzzkills, I think of like somebody... I think about listening to this song. (laughs) (laughs) I think about like death of a family member diseases uh losing a job a dog dying or something like that a 20 ton weight crushing people is quite far down my list i think that's only happened to like maybe two or three people i've known that's also the image that stirs memories of money python to him like that's the thing like the terry gilliam like like artistry I like those. Those remain iconic, and nobody's really also, been able to copy them. Foot? It was a foot. Yes. <laughs> well, the foot was the most prevalent one. He did have like he did have the large, weird, old timey weight come down and crush people too. But the foot was by far the most popular. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I always think of the foot. I mean, that's pretty much the iconic because it did close out the opening credits uh, why, of why, every show. I don't know why he couldn't say foot. I guess it's free association. That's what free came to association. That's what came to his head. Oh, what would bum people out? Oh, a twenty-ton weight crushing. This makes no sense. <laughs> That's a big complaint of a lot of the songs that we put on the bracket. Yeah. but this one is really. You know, I should really be able to identify this, with this song. What do I like to do? Drink. Yeah, both of us really enjoyed drinking. We were drinking the other night when we were listening to it at the wedding. We, we were drinking a lot. Yeah. Thanks for having us out. Thank you. We had a great time. (laughs) What's really weird for me for this song is that I think if you pulled off all the lyrics, this kind of sounds like a washed out song. Yeah, you're right. Like, he's kind of making this chill wave song, which absolutely fits the vibe of a happy hour. Yeah. But I never thought I'd say this Weezer song sounds like something off of Sunbather. Damn. This sounds like I an adult swim bumper. I can't believe we're talking about Weezer and Chill Wave. Blackbird, Blackbird, secretly coat. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear Hipster Runoff writing about Happy Hour. I would love to hear Hipster Runoff write about anything. Fuck the people who bought that blog and took it down. Every day I wish I could bring something up and show it to people. Fuck you. The harmonizing on this song? Yeah. 
is so weird and bad. The backing vocals repeating coconut after he's doing this. He's not, he's doing the lime and the coconut bit, but he's taking a long route to get there yeah. with his lyrics. And then they're almost seem to be almost randomly background harmonized throughout. And then you get a repeating of coconut. I get free association, but was he free associating editing the song? Like it <laughs> does not make a lot of sense. I get what he's trying to do on a lot of this song though. He's trying to do some of the escapism that say an Island in the sun or a holiday was trying to get to, but in a more modern and real sense and trying to say that it's a little bit shallowness. I was watching a YouTube video of him earlier, earlier today just talking about this uh, song and the writing behind this song. And he said, I want them to feel that, oh my God, I want to dance. This is so groovy. I can't believe it's Weezer. And at the same time, the sadness and the loneliness. I wouldn't describe this song as groovy. That's, he said groovy, and I, I about fell out of my chair laughing. I think, if anything, you kind of get that weird shoulder bob that you get with a washed out song yeah or just basically the only dancing that somebody in la does at a show oh yeah the, the kind of just like just kind of like, like sway. sway back and forth yeah. yeah i think that's about the most anybody has done for this song yeah but i th- i think he does in this song to his credit portray the shallowness the emptiness of the escape into alcohol consumption you know it doesn't solve your problems it doesn't to get you away from everything um lord knows i know uh but the song is just not that enjoyable is my big knock against yeah, it i agree i think he accomplishes a lot of what he does just not everything yeah all right let's vote i i don't think there's much of a contest no. here there's a song i don't like and a song i kind of like so you know it, i'm in the same boat so yep. happy hour is moving on in the bracket. It gets uh, an easy pass, but will it make it out of round two? We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to wait like a n- number of weeks, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Happy hour. Congrats. And welcome back. And so for our next matchup, we have Smart Girls. Off of Hurley. Versus the girl got hot off of Ratitude. We had a song that we both kind of liked. Yeah. I don't think this round has that. No. No, this round <laughs> doesn't have it, but... This is a fucking tough matchup. I don't... Uh, Can I admit something? Sure. I mean, this this, po- this podcast is all about us opening up and uh, unveiling our feelings. Um, I kind of like Smart Girls. What? Yeah, I said it. 
Why? What? 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 What is? What is drawing you into? Okay, this? I don't. I don't love it as much as I did, but at the time I think I like the melody and like at the time it had been such a rough period after Ratitude and then the majority of Hurley and I remember Hurley came out like a, a, almost less than a year after Ratitude came out. Yeah, it was pretty quick. And I thought and I don't like Hurley that much anymore, but I thought like I was able to grasp onto something with Smart Girls. I, I just thought it had like a decent melody and like kind of progressive nature to it that like I was able to not progressive in the sense that it's a progressive song that it's morally like ideologically progressive I meant the actual like kind of structure of the song structure of the song so this song was co-written by Tony Canal of No Doubt and Jimmy Harry who has a murderer's row of songs he's written he's written for Felix John He's written for Robin Schultz. He wrote a song with Diplo called Set Me Free, which is one of my more favorite Diplo songs. He has written for Madonna, Pink, Kylie Minogue, Fisher Spooner, Santana, Britney Spears, Vitamin C. But most importantly, he co-wrote RuPaul's original album, Supermodel of the World. Holy shit. Yeah. So it's interesting. He has worked with a lot of smart girls. This song seems to have no actual appreciation of them being smart. You know why? Yes, I do know why, but let's go say it. So apparently, originally, the song was called Hot Girls? Yes. He wrote it about being married and then finally hot girls being all around him, swarming him. Which also doesn't make any sense because he had been a rock star for a long time before. to be fair, he, he's pointed out in every early interview, he's like, hey, we're the only rock stars that don't get laid. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. You know, how many times have you entered into a relationship and then, like, all these girls start creeping, like, hey, I think it's, it I going? think that I think that's just more in your head most of the time. You know what I'm saying? I, you, probably. It's, yeah. It's kind of worked out that for me, and then you have to turn it on, and I get it, you know? Yeah. But... If you are going to change a song from Hot Girls and it being about that to Smart Girls, you should have some appreciation of you them should really as smart try girls. and like you should actually try and change the lyrics and try and actually show an appreciate yeah an appreciation for Smart <laughs> Girls. It is unbelievable that he, who has spent so much of his life dedicated to the craft of songwriting, yeah. would go and do a find and replace inside of Microsoft Word Hurley, from hot to smart and every, call it a day. Everything going back about Hurley feels that way, though. Everything just feels kind of slapped together and undercooked and not well thought out. And it just seems like that he was rushing to get an album out. Like, even the cover, which... Thank you, Jorge Garcia, for taking a picture with us. Thank you very much. You were very nice, and it was a, it was a pleasure meeting you. And uh, we wish we could have talked uh, more Becker with you, but uh, <laughs> we, neither of us has seen it. I've seen enough Becker, but not for like 15 years. He's a misanthropic doc, doctor. That is the... That's like the whole like premise <laughs> Your of Becker. Your knowledge of Becker is far outshines mine. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, um, the whole album just feels not... Well yeah, thought out. Yes, I'll agree with that. But this is to this is perhaps the worst offender of this, to where it's like you're going to change it. You're going to change the core conceit of the song. Yeah. The, the lyrics to begin with, where he is just listing girls' names as if this is a modern rework of Mambo Number no. Five. I was going to say, it kind of reminds me of Tired of Sex. Not like in quality, obviously. <laughs> obviously <not. laughs> But that is a, that is something he does in Tired of Sex, too. But that kind of makes <laughs> but sense tired, in Tired of Sex. Tired so. of Sex is more about 
emotions and sentiments yeah. behind it. This is treating women as it's objects and ownership therein yeah. and as scoreboards, you know, just accomplishments. It's also just kind of inane, you know what I'm saying? Like and it's like those sorts of things, like treating women as like an accomplishment, like nailed her, nailed here, nailed her, seems fine for a 22, 23-year-old rock star. Like, we kind of expect that from them. Yeah. He, Rivers is like 38 at this point. Yeah. It's just like, I feel like a lot of late period, like Rivers Cuomo is almost him writing from the mind of like a 20-year-old man or, you know what I'm saying? It's like him trying to like go back there and it's like him play acting throughout his songs. Yeah, and that really skews it because what you believe you were at 20 versus what you were at 20 are yeah. two different things. You are There's some things you are enhancing, some things you are diminishing. Don't be the old guy at the club, you know? Yeah. Don't be the 45-year-old man at the club, you know, unless you're, like, really popping off. Be what you are. That's fine. It really bothers me just, like, how lazy this is. The main guitar riff is fun. I think it, it, the way it's pieced together I is think, I think, pretty good. I think that's why I kind of like it. You know what I'm saying? And I think it, it, that was something that I found to be lacking of, of late period uh, Weezer songs that around then. Yeah, but it's and almost I think more I would, I think, upsetting. That I think it was such a reprieve for me from some of the shit that was out there that I was, I was just kind of like, I was grasping at straws. Right, but it's almost more upsetting that he has something that could have been really great yeah he just and doesn't do anything he half-assed it yeah rivers by this point has been through it all in in trying to create things where he has stuff that he didn't put much effort into that took off he had things that he put a lot of effort that sunk you know like a rock he knows that he needs to put a best effort forward hey I have a question. Rivers doesn't need to bring all these like collaborators in, like song co-songwriters. Do you think he's just trying things? Do you think he's Absolutely. just like, you think he's just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and see, seeing what sticks? I think sometimes like when you have been as heavily criticized as Rivers has, yes. that you start doubting your own abilities. Yeah. And he's like, "Let me bring in somebody else who Tony Canal in 2008 apparently. But, you know, Tony Canal wrote fucking amazing pop records. Yeah. He has hits under his belt. He's responsible for a large part of the No Doubt sound. He's got credibility. You know, they probably met somewhere, hit it off. Hey, why don't you come to a studio? Something like that. And get some involved in the process. And if you are doubting yourself, it's so much easy to go buddy system style. In also, anything. Also, do you think it comes sometimes from a place of boredom? Absolutely. Every time we get a glimpse into Rivers's songwriting styles, it always seems somewhat miserable. There was like a period where he was like, he was forcing himself to write a song a day. And he is sequestering himself because he's, he's had success with some Pat Wilson songs. He's had some success here and there with other songwriters, but he kind of is trying to go it alone as much as possible. And just doing that, anytime you're trying to write something and you have to be alone you have to be away from everything you get lonely it gets to be awful and so he's just like all right you know what i i met tony canal he we're in the same town hey come through the studio let's let's riff on something i'd be really curious to see if that was their their um their method or if they would send things back and forth you know what i'm saying i could also see it's like one of those you oh, know a postal service yes yeah, a postal service sort of thing um Fuck, I can too. I would like to believe that... They were in the studio together just hashing it out. 
At least then they're both having fun. Yeah. <laughs> For all the misery that Rivers sings about, I would like him to have a certain amount of joy in his life. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about The Girl Got Hot? The first thing I want to say about The Girl Got Hot is that changing the name of Smart Girls from Hot Girls to Smart Girls seems to be a reaction to the negative opinions of That Girl Got Hot. The Girl Got Hot is an atrocious song. It is a very bad song. I think it also suffers from being stuck between I'm your daddy and can't stop partying. Two <laughs> fucking bangers there ever. <laughs> Two bangers that are on our bracket. <laughs> <sighs> this song is something else. This song is gross. Because this song is explicitly about the ugly duckling. You know, it's about going to a concert and seeing a girl you grew up with and she's like hot. And I think there's also, he's also doing a play on worlds where she's in the, she's like in the mosh pit, mosh pit. So she's literally hot. Cause that's, you know, he loves oh, doing that. God. We'll get into that. Like, I think next week on where's my sex. <laughs> oh God. Is that coming up next? It's coming week? up next week. Fuck. Oh, that one's going to be fun. Yeah. So, yeah, it's oddly mean-spirited. It's funny because, like, it doesn't even seem like he's describing her as getting that physically attractive. It's that she bought expensive clothes. Yeah. I mean, Rivers has always had this odd influence from rap music. Yeah. And that is a common trope of rap music. It doesn't work when it's Rivers Cuomo worshiping brands. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. It's something that he could pull off if he had any sense of irony or facetiousness. But as we know, he does not. And he doesn't want you to think he does. <laughs> He's like, I do not have this ability. Speaking about rap, can I tell you about the weirdest thing I found while like doing research on this song? Let's do it. Uh, so I found this uh, this the song this uh, Yeezer, which is a Kanye uh, Weezer mashup. Not By a, a guy idea. named Chucky Nugget. All right. He uh, he matched up The Girl Got Hot with Black Skinhead, and he got The Girl Got Black. Let me assure you, Hit's not good. I can't imagine those songs going together at all. So I actually found a quote about it from Chucky Nugget about this. Oh, good. We're quoting Chucky Nugget now. <laughs> this, is where we're at. this is where we're at. This song was a happy accident. There's only so many publicly released Kanye acapellas you can use. When I was looking for Weezer songs to use for my library, within three seconds, it clicked that Black Skinhead and The Girl Got Hot used nearly identical drum beats. Thankfully, since Jesus was all about minimalism, instrumentally, there's not much else going on in the song. So it was easy as laying one track on top of the other. Pretty much finished the entire thing in a day. So thank you. Thank you for that, Chucky Nugget. Yeah, thank you, Chucky Nuggets. <laughs> Nugget singular. <laughs> oh, it's not even Nuggets. It's Nuggets. <sighs> I, I, it made me hate the girl got hot even more after listening to that if you're if you're doing mashups don't act like you're that much of an i'm sorry if you're doing it i'm gonna be honest like, if you're using doing a weezer kanye mashup just stick to blue and pinkerton you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, don't be going into, don't be using Ratatouille in early songs. I'm just saying, don't act like doing a fucking mashup is that big of an accomplishment. Cool, you like, found two songs that have the same BPM and are in the same I also, key. I also or like, a lot of times they don't even fucking do that. No, my favorite thing is this whole quote. It's like, I got to be really lazy with this. It's like, I, I put no effort into this. <sighs> So this song kind of sounds like The Offspring, Why Don't You Get a Job? <laughs> it sounds like that Beatles song. Oh, yeah. Opa Dee, Opa Da. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they just rip off Opa Dee, Opa Da. Yeah, but song. this song sounds like the Offspring version of it. <laughs> like the guitar sound of it, and he's following the vocal melodies, and but he's like 
stopping like one or two beats early. Yeah. Which strikes me as such an odd way to do. It's like, I'm going to do a half offspring. Oh, that song's horrible. That, that offspring song. That offspring is fucking bad. In like in a sea oh. of shitty offspring songs. <laughs> got, okay, yeah, people talk about late late era Weezer being bad. Try some late era offspring. I, saw, I forget. I, saw, I heard one. Like, what is about, that? Slap it one or whatever it is. I I heard one. I saw the music video where they're where they're on the bus. Where they're on the bus. That yeah. is a fucking terrible. It was record. one of the worst songs I've ever heard. What the fuck is that called? Oh, uh, I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, offspring on a bus. California cruising. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Bumping in my, my trunk. trunk. Bumping in my. It's got like a female like a chorus where it's like bumping in my trunk, bumping in my. It, it is, is terrible. Oh my! It God. is terrible for a late era offspring <laughs> record. <laughs> like, and they made that the single and did a music video and everything for it. Yeah, if you have not seen this. Uh, it I makes su- fucking pretty fly for a white guy look like a goddamn masterpiece. Yeah. I suggest not listening it to yourself, but sending it to your friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, oh, can we vote for this song? I vote for Offspring Cruising California for this <laughs> round. Hey, do you know who co-wrote "The Girl Got Hot"? I'm sure you do. Uh, no, I don't actually. Butch Walker. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, Butch produced a lot of Weezer records, a lot yeah. of later Weezer records. He's produced a lot of good ones too, to give him fair credit. Yeah. And then he has a solo career of his own, and uh, I have not listened to any of that. I have never heard <laughs> one of those songs. Sorry, Butch. Sorry. It's not the Butch Walker bracket though. So uh, maybe someday. Yeah, I don't really know what else to say about that girl got hot. It's bad. It's bad. It's a very bad song. Um, I'm ready to vote, though. All right. Who are you voting for? So, That Girl Got Hot is a really bad song. But I think Smart Girls, the laziness, the wasted opportunity just kind of gets me madder. So, I'm going to give it to Smart Girls. I'm voting for The Girl Got Hot. I find it gross. I don't find it musically pleasing. It just it's I find it grating actually. I gotta go with the girl got hot. All right. And you know what that means. Time to make a phone call. And who are we calling this week? I think we got to go back and call the first person we ever called who did not pick up, our friend Fidel. Nine thirty at night. Let's see if he picks up. On a Monday. We'll leave a message if he doesn't. Can we, can we leave a message? Yeah. Your call has been oh, forwarded damn to an voice message system. Five, one, two. <laughs> you might want to this out. No. Oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. Fidel, it's the Weezer bracket. We were calling to get your vaunted opinions on things, but uh, sadly, once again, you are not available. Yeah, De- Destiny has literally been calling you, and uh, you're not picking up, man. Man, I don't know why you don't want to be on our show. You would be the star. Yeah. Oh well, maybe next time. We're gonna keep on calling you. Yep. <laughs>
So next we'll be calling my friend, uh, our friend, Ben Meckler, who is our writer. He wrote on um, Final Space on TBS, and he wrote for Nerdist News for a while. So uh, let's give him a call. All right. It's ringing. Hello? Hey, Ben. Hey. Hey, you're on, uh, you're on the podcast right now. You're on the Weezer Bracket. Oh. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, all right. So uh, we we have two songs. They're both really bad, and uh, I don't know if you'll even know them. Uh, I don't know. Pretty good shot. Let's let's hear what they are. So the the first song is Smart Girls Off a Hurley. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) And the second song is The Girl Got Hot Off of Ratitude. Fuck. (laughs) You got the girls round. Yeah, that's... uh, Wow. Two uh, agonizing songs. Um, Do you remember hmm. them? Oh, no, I remember both of them vividly. Do you, do you regret not getting a picture with Harley? I definitely regret that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ben was at the wedding we were at. We were really jealous when we saw it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man. Hmm. Hmm. Do I get to know which of you selected which song? I we well, I'll actually let you know this. I chose "The Girl Got Hot" as being the worst song, and Nick chose uh, "Smart Girls." That's how we voted. Yeah, uh, when we selected right. them, I think we were both pretty in agreement that these both. Yeah, we we, we both agree these are both really yeah, bad no, songs. Yeah, those are two just blindingly terrible songs. Uh, shit, man, this is tough. <laughs> we don't like to make it easy. I'm going. I'm going with uh, smart girls because if I recall correctly, about sixty percent of the lyrics are just yelling names. Yes, <laughs> yes. we've already got over that. And That's Weezer, the... Weezer brazenly ripping off Mambo Number no. Five just isn't super cool. We've me, already so. said that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right, All right. That, smart girls. Then, thank you, Ben. Hey, you got anything yeah. you want to plug? Uh, you know, follow me on on Twitter at uh, Ben Meckler. I got nothing else. And we actually, uh, we were uh, plugging your uh, final space for you. Oh shucks! Thanks, guys. No problem. Yeah. So you know, thanks for so much for taking the call. (laughs) For sure. Good luck with the rest of the episode. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, man. (laughs) See you, Ben. Bye. Bye. Well, there we go. Smart girls. I cannot believe he knew both those songs. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> he knew details, which was really impressive. We're calling the right people. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, so Smart Girls moves on. For our next matchup, we have Love is the Answer from Ratitude. Then we have Love Explosion from Maladroit.
before we get into Love is Dancer, can you actually give us a little bit of the background behind it? Because I know you've done a little research. Love is the Answer is perhaps my favorite Weezer song origin story. Rivers records it as a demo. And he doesn't quite think it's right or ready to be a Weezer song. Yeah. So who does he pass it off to? The most logical answer in the universe. Who is it? Sugar Ray. (laughs) So (laughs) this song first appears as a Sugar Ray song on the seminal album. Music for Cougars. Music for Cougars, which means that you can consider this the only cover that Re- Weezer put out on one of their albums, besides the uh, deluxe editions and all that. I wonder if it's the only cover of a Sugar Ray song ever on an album. Fuck, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm sure. I am sure there is oh, definitely. No, the, there's the, been some ironic cover. There's probably like a kids' bop. Fly. There's probably like a kids' bop. I, I just want to oh, fly. Oh, there's definitely, definitely a kids', kids bop. bop. So, "Love Is the Answer" is co-written with Jackknife Lee, who is a frequent collaborator. He's a, he's a producer though, mostly, right? He just produces. He's mostly produces stuff, but he's he, been but he's been working with them since at least the Red Album. He I know. Is, yeah. He's collaborated with them a lot, and he's worked with every. He's a producer, he's a mixer, he's a guitarist. He has worked with The Cars, U2, R.E.M., The Killers, Robbie Williams, Snow Patrol, Block Party, AFI, The Hives, One Direction, Silver Sun Pickups, and Taylor Swift. He wrote, Rivers wrote this song a long time before. He wrote this actually during the Mallet, uh, Make Believe uh, sessions, actually. Right, and for whatever reason, he didn't believe in it. And yeah. <laughs> he apparently gave a number of demos to Sugar Ray. I don't know what what inspired this. I bet like it's like 2009 Sugar Ray. You get like Rivers Which quote. Which most people did not know existed. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, Mark McGrath probably got like a song from Rivers Quote. Of course he's going to record it. You know what I'm saying? Of course. Well, apparently he got several and picks out Love is the Answer out of all of them. We don't know what, what else was in that grab bag. It could have been any number of stuff that turned into Weezer songs later on. I bet they never did. I bet they're like dope. I'm going to guess that's a safe bet, yeah. but you never know how these things work. They could have reworked it. So Rivers writes this probably in 2004, 2005 for Make Believe. About then. It's like one of the fallen soldiers, which I know fans are kind of obsessed with. I'm not giving that. Yeah. <laughs> but like, he, then he makes another album this, is, this isn't on. Do you think it's possible that he heard the Sugar Ray version and was like, fuck, I need to do my own version again? Are you saying this like he hears it and he's like, fuck, this is so good? Or... Fuck, they ruined this. I got to do this right. And put some Hindi in it, yeah. Um, I would say probably he was more like, fuck, this is so good, knowing Rivers. I, I don't know, because the Sugar Ray version is not that special. No. It's just a very forward presentation of the song. Like, pretty much, I'm guessing it is pretty much as it was given to Sugar Ray. They just re-recorded it in their own instruments and vocals and all that him taking it and adding this hindi element this world music element takes it and kind of like recalls some of the later beatles albums that got very experimental and drawn when harrison was like playing the sitar and everything exactly but i could also see the argument that he's also drawing an influence from one of his favorite producers in timbaland in pulling from the big pimpin beat which took a Bollywood song, looped it for 12 bars, and became a number one song 
and became one of the great moments in changing the sound of modern day hip hop. Yeah. I could see either of those things. I don't know why you decided to revisit it. it. It doesn't make any sense. No, it could possibly be that he saw it and he just saw this as like a pretty much blank canvas. I mean, your, your hook is love is the answer. Yeah. You can kind of do anything with that. And so he's like, let me try adding this Hindi vocalist. Let me try bringing in these world elements. I actually have a quote here, actually, from Rivers on the song. That I think applies right now. That one was really cool because we got Amrei Hassan, who's an Indian woman, classical singer, to come down and she did this beautiful vocal in Hindi. And one of our friends was playing sitar. It's a very new sound for Weezer. <laughs> that one I will not dispute. <laughs> Except, you know, it's a new sound, but it didn't continue to be. No. <laughs> no. I think at this point he's bored and he's just playing with things and he's trying to find anything that engages him. I think so too. So I can really respect it as an experiment. I'm not sure I would call it a successful oh, experiment. Oh, I would not. No. Because I think even adding this exotic sound does not change that this is a very dull song at no, its heart it's boring i mean if the great sugar ray cannot pull it off and make <laughs> this exciting i think if they had gotten len to do it <laughs> that might have worked i think this is just a generic song that's just going to be generic anywhere i think you could add death metal to it i think you yeah. could add a freestyle rap verse to it and i don't think it's just going to get much better i think it is just what it is yeah Love Explosion, on the other hand. I think you picked this song, correct? I don't remember. It's a really weird song, and we talk about the Fallen Soldiers. This song sounds to me like he took two or possibly three Fallen Soldiers and just Frankenstein them together. Some, I have some background on it. If All you right, like let's it. hear it. Love Explosion was originally titled Do You Want Me to Stay? and features a slightly different set of lyrics. As heard in the SNS demos. That was 2001 at the Sage and Sound Studios in Hollywood. It's the first set of demos that they record with Scott Schreiner. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, and the song underwent multiple lyrical revisions over the course of its history, with the last demo version released to the fans in January of 2002, before appearing on Melodroid with lyrics more akin to the original SNS demo. Right. Clearly, it's a set of demos. A lot of the fans heard they were able to vote on back on the early days of the course, Weezer yes. message boards. We've talked about that before, I believe, when Rivers was on the message boards as the Vars. <laughs> I remember it's, I, I used to go on and read them. And like they would, they actually influenced Maladroit. Which I think we've established our position. Yeah. Was a bad idea. I waver back and forth because of slob. I, in slob general, a it's a bad that, idea. Slob, slob was, is, a, is the best song to, on that For album. a little bit of context, Slob was a song that wasn't going to make the album, but the uh, fans pushed hard and Rivers relented and it made the album. I think it's one of the better songs it's on the, the album. It's the best song on yeah. the album. The song, from verse to chorus, it changes up styles and it changes up lyrical content where he's like, in the verses, he's acting like a complete beta. Yeah. Like, he's seeing this girl, he's seeing people around her, and he's like, they're bad, but he's basically frozen in that river's way where he's like, well, I see something bad happening. I will absolutely do not, not do anything and just kind of complain about it. And then in the chorus, he's like, yeah, baby, come over here, give me a kiss. <laughs> and it's just like this weird split personality, I feel like came from different places. Yeah. I would, I would never have picked this song for the, the uh, bracket. I actually kind of like it. I think it's pretty pleasant. I think it has kind of a kind of a heavy metal hard rock tinge to it that I really like that kind of appears on Maladroit. 
Right. And yeah, the lyrics or whatever. But I mean, I mean, also that intro. That yeah. intro is grating. Oh, yeah. I, I don't I, mind I had it. it loud on my, you know, computer speakers, which yeah. is crappy, you know, and it is just annoying. I don't think it's one of the best songs on Maladroit, but I don't think it's bottom third of Maladroit. I think it's like a mid-level Maladroit song. So here's the real question. Okay. Why is this song called Love Explosion? I don't know. Actually, you know, most Because songs... that makes me think about one thing, and he, he's not doing that in this. <laughs> yeah. It kind of sounds like a Kiss title. Oh, shit. Yeah. That, oh, that's like 100%. Yeah. It's, that it, is absolutely... It's 100% a Kiss title. <laughs> <laughs> that is Gene Simmons. Yeah. It's like Love Gun, you know, like sort of thing. <laughs> Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons would 100%. I can't believe, how did they not? How is there not a Kiss song called Love Explosion? There might be. We just don't. We're not Kiss kind of. We're not the Kiss bracket. No. I mean, I know Kiss. We both know Kiss. We saw the LA Kiss. The greatest football team <laughs> of all time. Yeah. And the problem is there's not much to say about Love Explosion. I kind of like it, actually. And I don't think like. It's not bad. I, yeah. I just feel that it. I would put it on the lower tier of Maladroit songs. I don't. I, I, I put it middle. That's fair. Yeah. I just don't like the Frankenstein nature of it. Uh, the lyrics are just kind of bipolar. I just don't think it's that well put together. Yeah. I think that was my main objection with it. Okay. Um, the thing is, though, it's going up against uh, Love is the Answer. I mean, look, neither of these are heavyweight contenders in the bracket. No, but... These are pretty... These are, I would argue, they're pretty fairly matched because Love is the Answer is never an unpleasant song. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to see Rivers experiment with stuff that's not so weird that we reject it completely. Yeah, but I think the truth is, I think we're both going to vote for Love is the Answer. You're right. Okay, Love is the Answer. Congrats, you're going is, on. Love uh, is not the answer, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we go. Love is Love is the Answer. Moves on. Moves on. Will it stand up to a tougher opponent? We'll see. And that is our episode. So the winners of today are Trippin' Down the Freeway. Oof. Happy Hour. Not the worst song, but yeah. Smart Girls. In an upset, actually. I, I did not expect that, actually. I, You know, that's what happens when we call random people. <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for picking up, Ben. Yeah. And Fidel, <laughs> we're going to keep on calling you. You're going to pick up one of these days. You wanted to be on this so bad. And then the uh, Love is the Answer. So there we go. Update your brackets accordingly. Andrew, what do we have coming next week? So next week we have Cold Dark World versus Feels Like Summer. Interesting. Memories versus My Best Friend. And I'm going to love talking about My Best Friend because that means I'll be able to talk about one of my favorite film franchises. And I'm Your Daddy versus La Mancha Screwjob. And then Where's My Sex versus Slave. Fuck. That is a powerhouse battle right there. I'm lo- really looking forward to talking about Where's My Sex a lot, actually. You've been looking forward to that for a while. I Yeah, that one is going to be a lot of fun. So uh, t- tune in next week. And you've been listening to The Weezer Bracket.
All the Weezer songs, we are claiming fair use uh, for purposes of discussion, and you should look back because there's a lot of discussion about these. So there you go. But the intro music is by Alvoro Kid, and we downloaded it from hooksounds.com, Creative Commons with Attribution. So there you go. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and see you next week. Oh, I would also like to give a shout out to Spence Nicholson for helping us with the art. Yeah. Oh, he's real happy about that. And giving it, and letting us record in your house. Thank you, Spence. Thanks, Spence. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Love you.